Hi, and welcome to another brand new episode of Live from the Pool House. We are live from the Pool House. I am one of your hosts, (laughs) uh, T.L. Foster, and I don't like them big old book words. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I am joined by my co-host. Compton's own Sonia with attitude here. (laughs) Uh, And we are joined by a special guest. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hey, I'm I'm Funky. <laughs> um, I I do some writing and I do some streaming and uh, make some music. Do a bunch of stuff online. Yeah. Uh, Funky is another person that I met uh, doing the giant bomb thing. Yes, but they like to say like someone is talented. Like Funky is one of the most like talented people I've ever <laughs> what? met. Stop. And like it, it was like it was really cool because like. You had started doing the, like, I think, like, the day after you were doing, like, a, a, mine, a Minecraft um, uh, set. A concert thing, yeah. Yeah. And I, I one, because I'm old and, and busted, I didn't understand. Like, I was like, wait, people do that. But then when I was listening to it, I was like, oh, what? Like, this is, like, this is dope. Like, I've never seen anything like this. And then, like, you did your stuff. Uh, I want to say you're, you're the band you do. Is it your band is Cat Dog? Or? Yeah, it's our, like, um... Mm music duo we do like a bunch of genres but like yeah yeah it, it's just like and then like your writing is tremendous oh um, thank you so yeah i i've been like when i was like i want to get people on, i was like oh i i have to get them on like this is like definitely <laughs> we, this is something that we have to do i said this earlier but like i was so hyped when you reached out to me i'm like yes like this is a show that i watched so much in my childhood just like i don't even know why i was still on like it was reruns and stuff uh, and out of order, but I was just like, this is so funny. <laughs> well, yeah, so we always ask, you know, what, you know, everyone, their connection is to the show. So, like I said, you watched this when you were younger. So, uh, for a little bit behind the curtain for everybody, um, so Funke and Sonia are both mm-hmm. Canadians, right? Yeah. Yes. So, there's something that you would catch Poutines like on Poutines the... and moose and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, is this something that you would catch on, you know, the CDC or yes. whatnot? Yeah. Uh, CBC mostly. It would. I, I don't know if it was the same with you in your area because Funke uh, is from Ontario and I'm from Manitoba. Mm-hmm. And CBC kind of has different, uh, like the national ones are still the same, but CBC Manitoba is different from CBC Ontario. But we used to have it on right after the simpsons and right before the news started so that's mm. like around 5 30 in the afternoon or something and yeah. it was one of my mom's favorite shows <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure it was on like ytv for me um like mm. i don't know it came on like later in the evening and i was just like oh the show's on like i the one thing that i didn't like was that it was out of order and like it'd be like season one and then season three or whatever and, like <laughs> Well, right. I, how are you expecting me to keep this, keep up with this plot? But I guess most <laughs> of it is just like contained in the episode. But still, I was like, stuff looks different, and characters <laughs> change too. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I think this is this episode that we're doing. I think it's kind of emblematic of that. I have been railing on the Carlton Will relationship, like I, I don't think it's this stuff that I remember because, like, mm. as we get later in the seasons, we kind of see them more of like brotherly instead of adversarially yes Mm -hmm. but i think this is the first episode where we finally kind of see that connection yes so i think this is a great episode to to do that yeah i wrote that down too like this episode (laughs) is the epitome of the carlton will dynamic because like his preppiness is like 
at stake during this this whole thing. His <laughs> yeah. reputation and everything he stands for is like actually like they're betting on it this time, which is such a big deal for them. Oh yeah, uh, like it's one of it's one of the like the first episodes that really gets into the into the great category. Like I think that's like really like because this episode is just enjoyable from front the front the back. So I just love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think uh, we haven't like done like a best of for like the season because like we're getting close to the end of the season. Mm. I think this might be my favorite episode. This season. Yeah, it's just really? really good. Yeah, like yeah. I, I think I might also really like some other episodes, like the the Black History Month episode or the Black History mm. episode might be one of my favorites as well. But this one is pretty mm. like enjoyable while having a bit of the class consciousness in it. I just like that as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But Sonia, what is this episode that we have been kind of? maneuvering around so we are watching season one episode 23 72 hours which first aired march 11th 1991 it was directed by ray kraus who directed a few episodes of living single and the wayans brothers and it was also written by rob edwards who wrote a few earlier episodes so this episode yo I'm sleeping on the floor. <laughs> That's the best line. I wrote that line down too. Yes. That sequence. So, yeah, it's really perfectly timed. I love that. It's season. just, there's so many movies. We'll get there when we get to the yeah. part. It's just the choreography and the blocking in this episode. There's just so many moving parts that just seem so seamless. Like, it's just, it's so, so much. It's such a fun episode. Oh, yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. So this episode begins with quite possibly the whitest version of Brick House I've ever heard, which Jazz and Will agree on when they come in, bursting into tears laughing at <laughs> Carlton's yeah. Glee Club, I guess they're, they are, like, some sort of. But yeah, Acapella like, it, group thing. Yeah, it was like, yeah. it, it came off as, like, uh, Carlton teaching them the song rather than like or they did not know or had never heard the song before I guess I don't know like just the awkwardness of it was just embarrassing to me yeah yeah it, it very much reminds me of like the thing that started happening like when I first graduated high school um, where you'd get like the, it's like the Jolton Colton baby's got back like the white guy yeah acoustic <laughs> guitar like cover of a rap song or something I was, like that. I was thinking about that with the box, especially with like Roddy Rich. Like, yeah, you see that one on Twitter. I remember I was like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, oh my god, why are you just, doing this? <laughs> right, well, and like it's. It's it just. Oh, go ahead. No, sorry. I was just thinking about somebody doing a version of like uh, Nelly's Hot in Here, like you know, like doing like a a Mumford and Sons version of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just get an acoustic like so hot in here. I was like, good gracious, that ass. <laughs> oh man, we're gonna get copyright striked. Okay, go on, go on. Well, it's, it's it's a podcast. We can as long as it's not like what more than thirty seconds of a song. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> and but no, it's just like it. I they always like some versions of this stuff. Like it always like it kind of irks me. Like it's not like I'm not like oh I'm offended. It's just like it's to steal the line from that SNL bit. It's like raisins in the in a you know in a potato salad. It's just yes. it, it just doesn't seem right. And like Brickhouse is like it's a song that just like it's it's a it's a it's like it's it's funky. It just like it swings right, and it's just like. To break it down, just be like, she's a brick 
house. Oh, it's just house. like it's like oh man, it's just like audio mayonnaise, and it's just like I can't yeah. I can't deal with well, it. Well, it reminds me of um, that quote Little Richard had, where he said that um, that like when Elvis stole their music, it was a lot better for white girls to be screaming over Elvis than it was for them to be screaming over black guys. Mm-hmm. So it just yeah. reminded me of that context where it's like this music is only acceptable from certain types of people if that yeah. makes sense and yeah. I, that always drove me nuts it's just like and, and you wonder why they like decide to cover those songs like why, why aren't they doing right. their own songs like why aren't they working on their own stuff because like i do also feel that tl like that just like something's weird here like i don't know <laughs> right. why you're doing this like you you could be just make your own little indie song if you want to do that like don't right. be taking black people's things and like trying to morph it into something else. Like it the, just feels uh, off. Yeah, the only good time I thought that that happened was when um, John Cena had that entrance at WrestleMania. I think it was in WrestleMania when they were in New Orleans, mm-hmm. where he had the uh, he had the the band open for oh, him. Oh, that was one. Yeah, that was one of the coolest entrances ever because it was like the the marching band, and then they they played the intro, they did the drums, and then they all they did was like do the uh, your time is up, my time is now. That was the, <laughs> the coolest thing. The instrumental of it. Yeah, it's, it's well. See, I love that. Cause I love I love black bands because like <laughs> I I'm a huge when it comes to music, I love percussion and bass. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it, it's just like it just it, it speaks to me and it, it just moves me. So like stuff like that where it is very heavy, heavy brass because you're just trying to get that sound like that kind of like that that digital sound. I'm yeah. so bad. I'm not a musician. <laughs> okay, it's like uh, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to like, but it's just like being able to like produce that. It always is. Fun. So like the John Cena thing, like yeah, that's one of my favorite moments. But it's not like John Cena is appropriating. I think the one that everyone gives a pass to is like the Alien Ant Farm version of, of Smooth, um, Smooth Criminal, Criminal yeah. which like I I never liked it just because it's like okay, but you could have like you could Michael Jackson could have just did that song and you could have been <laughs> fine with it. You guys could have made your own fun kind of song. Like. I get doing tributes, but, like, it always feels weird. And I don't know if it goes b- both ways because uh, Dolly Parton was the per- first person who wrote uh, I Will Always Love You. Mm-hmm. But I always know it as the Whitney Houston song. Yeah. Right? Well, that's funny you bring that up because um, uh, Elvis, again, Elvis was trying to steal everything. Elvis uh, was originally going to record I Will Always Love You, but he told Dolly, okay, if I take it, I get half the rights to the song, which she was Whoa. like, well, bold to that like no bloody way and so she thought it was like the biggest like uh disappointment of her career until whitney bought it and made her like funded basically all of dollywood out of it and so it's just like it's weird because um i find that like uh for lack of a better word please twitter don't hurt me um white guys ruin a lot of good things It's not wrong. Like that's not a wrong statement. Like, yeah. Like the only good one is John Cena because he brought that uh, that marching band in for his entrance and stuff. And I'm like, I will, uh, I will fight for Tony Hawk though. He's still there. He's good. Yeah, he's one of the real ones. Okay, we're we're saving Tony Hawk, John Cena, Bono for me, and Dolly Parton. Uh, Yes. Oh, of course, Dolly Parton. Absolutely, Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton's great. Like Dolly Parton. She, one, uh, is, is this been really great? And since we're on this music kick, or whatever, I want to talk about. I, so those, uh, the two kids, right? The guys who are going through, who became viral because like they're they're listening to music and they're kind of 
putting things through. Like they're starting to make hits. Mm-hmm. Like so, Dolly Parton. Like a lot of a lot of kids, especially like a lot of black kids, didn't listen to Jolene. Mm-hmm. I remember like how those kids like when they heard Jolene, they're like, "Yo, wait, what?" I remember <laughs> listening to Jolene. Like having never been a huge Dolly Parton fan because I. When I was younger, I was like, well, I would never like country. Yeah. Because, like, no one ever presented country for me to like. But mm-hmm. then when I would go back and listen to Jolene, I was like, yo, no, this, like, this stuff, it's, it's, it slaps, right? And it, it has such, so much roots into, like, Southern church. And I didn't think that white people had church like we had church. Yeah. So that, a lot of that soul that we kind of have in our singing, that's, like, the basis for R&B and stuff like that, like... I didn't think that that would also be replicated by white people. And Dolly mm. Parton was the first person where I was like, no, they can do this too. And then yeah. I found out a lot of like people from the 70s that I liked, like Michael McDowell and it was somebody else. I found out, I just recently found out was white. It was like, oh, no, there's, they're out there. You just have to go oh, and yeah. find them. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dolly's one of those cool people too because she's one of those Christian people that walks the walk. She's not like mm-hmm. Christian to make herself look better. She takes the idea of like treating her fellow man as important as she is. And that's one of the things I really love about her, specifically because um, she has this thing called the Imagine li- Imagination library where she sends a book to uh, a kid every month until they turn five like a picture book and stuff and i found out that the reason she does this is because when she was growing up her dad never learned to read so uh she started the imagination library in honor of her father and i'm just like oh that's so sweet and so she um she sends a few books to my home reserve so like i always send my love to her she is the coolest and she does really good work yeah like and she can play guitar really well with those like press on nails so it's like <laughs> that is i can't feat. do that <laughs> yeah that's she's really good a really good skill <laughs> i so, didn't know that uh bobby caldwell mm-hmm. what she want to do mm-hmm. for love was was white for a long time i was like what <laughs> <laughs> I don't I th- the, co- the cover on that was just i it was like a silhouette of a figure i was like okay whatever but then i saw a picture <laughs> i'm like whoa <laughs> right. Well, it, it's just like um, Hall of Notes. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize until I was older, like, oh, this is a band of two white dudes. I'm like, yeah. you sure about that? Like, she's gone. Is like, like you could tell me Lionel Richie performed that. And he's like, yeah, I get it. Like, I, I understand. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it, it sucks. Like that music. Like those those performers, those white performers who were doing that went away. And I think that's why a lot of this stuff where they reappropriate black music in a kind of whitewash it for lack of a better word Mm -hmm. why that stuff sucks is because there isn't an earnestness to it right like like right or wrong if you like Eminem or don't like I'm not here to debate you but the same the reason why he has such a mass appeal even to black people is that he is authentic like he's not he's not vanilla ice like pretending to to live in this world like no I want to take a part of it it's the reason why John Cena is authentic like because like the story with John Cena is he didn't want to like become a rapper, but he loves rap music and he mm. like would freestyle on the bus. And I think there was like a European trip. He was getting ready to get fired and like he was just freestyling in the back. And then Stephanie Man heard him. She was like, "Wait, can you do that? Can you like do that on a wrestling show?" And he's like, "I mean, yeah, I guess." And he started doing that. It got over. But then like. Like I said, he's something that he likes to do. So he's only done one album and then one track after that. So he does his theme song. He did his theme song previously. 
Uh, I did not did... know he was a rapper at all. What? Yeah. Yes, he did an album. I I tell people all the time. There's an album he did it's called The Champ Is Here. It came out in 2006, and it had when really he good producers his, too. He, yes, uh, there's a song called Bad Man. Oh, it's it good. fucking <laughs> so good, and I'm just like. That's because, like, I always thought, like, the joke was, like, oh, well, he's the rapper, and he comes out, and he does, like, he does his, you know, rap, he does his rap promos, and they're corny because they have to be. Yeah. It's in, out, you have to do a certain cadence and go through. But then his, like, the song, like, Time Is time is Now, like, it is a really good, like, if you actually listen to the rap song, it's a really good rap song, and he doesn't break. But then, like, you listen to the album, he has, like, actual tremendous rap songs, which is, like, opposed Yo. to someone, like, like Randy Savage, who has an album, but yeah. all those songs are trash. <laughs> like, like John Cena is a really good rapper, and it's like, but it's I just he saved took this it. album. I found it on Spotify, and <laughs> yes, I will be listening to this. Album. Basic Psychonomics is really good too. I don't mind oh. that song. Yeah, yeah, and then like, so he did do a song recently. I think it was two years ago with Wiz Khalifa. Yeah, uh, which the the funny part is like the opening up track, the opening track, the opening part of that track is John Cena's like. Ah, they should have never left me in the suit in the uh, in the booth with Wiz Khalifa. But I'm like, <laughs> all right, let's go. I'm in. I'm just all the way in. This is uh, killing me. <laughs> oh, and um, Cena apparently appeared on uh, T Boss's album, T Boss from TLC. Um, he appeared on a track on her album. Let me look this up. <laughs> wow, this guy's featuring. He's everywhere. Man, we look, gotta, look, this is Justin is like Cena hour. <laughs> Justin is like I act. I I act. I Russell, I also feature on albums. That's yeah, what he he's does. literally doing everything. What the <laughs> a Renaissance man. <laughs> a true Renaissance man. Oh, but uh, back to the episode. Back to the episode. Yes. <laughs> so, um, as we were mentioning, I think off off mic, um, this is one of the first episodes where we outright see Carlton having to defend his status as a black man to Will and Jazz. Mm-hmm. So, as we know, Carlton has grown up in Bel Air, and his first real racist encounter was when he and Will were pulled over in an earlier episode by the police mm. and so the big conflict of this episode is a bet between will and carlton to see if carlton can survive in jazz's neighborhood of compton which i almost said like the dr dre album sorry no it's so this episode is always very weird to me if okay i would i would love to hear if you had any kind of experience it's on it's on you like mm-hmm. yours kind of a little bit different but kind of the same right um, Similar. you know being you know being indigenous um it this has always been really weird to me because it's such a younger man's fallacy mm-hmm. that ends up happening here right uh will and carlton are in this thing of like how do you quantify your blackness how do you you know, how do you examine your blackness? And we're in a weirdly weird spot just in, in life in general where it's like, hey, we kind of now know that it doesn't matter who you are. Like, you black, you black. Like, police don't care. Like, people yeah. who are racist don't care. Like, you're black, okay. Uh, but growing up, like, there were times where I could feel alienated because I don't have, I don't have, like for lack of a better word, a black scent or a or speaking a a a v, but I grew up on a military base, right? Like I, mm. when I first started school, my my family was like I didn't grow up around my family. I didn't grow up in the south, which is why I don't have a southern accent. Like my brother has a really bad one, like not bad, but he has a really like pronounced one because he grew up in the south. But we are probably he's like he's probably smarter than I am. But I don't have that. I don't have that like air to it and. Just in the scenarios that I've been in, 
I just haven't had a chance to. So there's always been like I, I have dealt with people who are like, oh well, you're not black enough. The 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 funny thing is, the kicker thing is, it's usually white people who would who love to say, oh well, I'm blacker than you, and oh. I'm always like, oh, oh yeah, that's mm. on that. That is annoying. <laughs> it's like. Mm. No, because I can speak well and you can't. Don't think you're not, you know, yeah, yeah. you're blacker than me. Well, it comes uh, from that idea, too. Like, um, there's a quote in, in the episode that we'll probably get to later where uh, Will is accused of acting pale. And, like, I know white people would be like, oh, yeah, like, you were insulting us by saying that TL is acting white. I'm like, it's not the same as a white person saying, like, oh, I'm blacker than you. Yeah. I'm like, there's a right. lot more behind that statement than it is. Like, because I don't believe in reverse racism. I think it's stupid because there's no, like, there's no power dynamic or, like, you have no... You have no, you are able to appropriate my culture because of your whiteness. Like, I can't do the same right. for you. And so, yeah, like, it, that comes up a lot in this episode, which I really enjoy. Like, the idea of what makes you a black man in this episode. And I love yeah. that. It is it is twisted, like, being uh, a black person and, like, having to prove your blackness, especially in spaces where there aren't other black people. Like, that is just, right. like it feels like you're representing a whole race like and you're in a room like playing halo with friends like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't make sense uh and it, it's like horrible that all that pressure is put on people especially young people because that's when like these things happen i feel like it hasn't happened to me mm -hmm. since i was a kid but like when i was a kid it was so frustrating and like just like you have these these mental battles like what does it mean to be black then like i like <laughs> right. what is the what is what do people value and like what what matters i guess i don't know yeah and I, I think the thing that that's more that's frustrating about it is it does nothing but ends up with an alienization mm. of black people within black people right so i think that's where you get a lot of like pe black people who are very quick to say like oh well such such is ghetto or such yeah. such is blah right and it's like it's the thing and, and i've and i've been saying this for years now it's the reason why like i don't I, I really don't like Chris Rock a lot mm -hmm. because the black people versus N-words thing, right? Yeah. Um, which, like, this is what's bred from. Because it's like, well, how do you quantify who's a good black person who's not? Because I speak, because I speak, you know, I don't speak in, like, again, to use, like, negative terms, like ebonics or stuff like that. Does that yeah. mean I'm less intelligent? Uh, I'm more intelligent also, than someone who does, you know? Yeah, and also, who are you separating black people for? Like, why are you even right. doing that? Like, what? Like you're making it... Uh, like, you're setting up a system for non-black people to judge black people. Like, why would you even, like, try to separate yourself from, like, the bad black people? Like, it's yeah. such a dumb ideology. And, like, it... Yeah, it separates black people from other black people. And it, like, gives non-black people who are racist tools against black people. It's, right. it's so, there's so many issues with it and it happens so often. <laughs> well, and it goes the opposite way too, because um, if you are like a person of color or a black person, you have to live up to such a high standard that you can never ever complete. Like, cause like with Obama, for example, when Obama was in office, like every single thing he did was like criticized, even though he was like basically the perfect person in the history of time, at least like not like in my opinion, but like stuff that wouldn't like lift an eyebrow if Trump did it was something that like people would massacre 
Obama for, or the fact that, mm-hmm. like, his daughter, like, was pictured, like, smoking weed or something. It's stuff like that. Like, it's, um, you, f- you both feel like you have to be the representative of your race while also being told you're not enough of a black person to be black person which is something that always comes up when you're a person of color like i hate that like as a native person it's come up because um because being nerdy is not native or being a girl that's into science is not native and so it's it's something that like i really connect with in the show because as i said before like i didn't have a lot of native representation on tv so seeing carlton and will struggle with this identity problem was something i really connected to I think this is also, again, like, I bring this up every time, you know, it sucks that tragedy took it, but I think that was one of the great things I loved about when the gaming community had, you know, were like, hey, let's put more black, you know, voices out there. Because I'm going to tell you, like, I started doing this stuff, I started doing gaming stuff like 12 years ago, mm-hmm. and there were no one that was, there was no one that was visible. Like, and it was a thing where yeah. I honestly would have never thought about doing this stuff if we didn't have, like, Antista who we've had on previously, like if he wasn't doing his podcast where I felt like, oh, these are people just hanging out. But it never, it still was like, it was like, okay, well, this is weird because I don't see anyone who looks like me. And now, thankfully, uh, we have so many people who are out there, uh, like Ka with Spawn on Me, like Rihanna, who we've had on previously, uh, like like Funke, like Nikki, like um, uh, Austin yeah. Walker, Gita Jackson. Like we have so many great people now who are, who are building these communities, who are, like, front-facing that I think mm-hmm. is so important. Um, but it's also, like you said, th- all these people can't just be the arbiter of, like, perfect because they're not going to be perfect, right? Yeah. We all make mistakes, and it's it's so frustrating because if a black person makes a mistake, especially in the industries that we are in, or like you said, Sonia, uh, any person of color makes a mistake, that is an indictment across the board yeah right? it's like why did we give them that opportunity look at how they screwed it up and it's, it's just like ugh. it's honestly so tiring like yeah is yeah. P- getting to any point where like you're you're recognized for anything in games is so hard as a black person too like i don't know there's like so like if you look at the staffs of almost every uh game site like most of the people are just like all white people like mm-hmm. even yeah even the sites that i think do are doing the best and most like diverse work and covering things that matter to a lot of communities like there's still a problem of like so much whiteness in those spaces and it's mm-hmm. kind of like weird i don't know how it's how it's still going on right now <laughs> um but yeah on to the the point of like when a black person uh, does something that people don't like. Like, I reviewed yeah. SpongeBob a while ago, and I gave it a low score, like the most recent SpongeBob game, because mm-hmm. um, it wasn't a good game. I didn't like it, <laughs> and I gave my opinion. Um, <laughs> right. And then I I got a couple of messages that were, like, just racist. <laughs> like, just, like, yeah. just like uh, a flurry of slurs and stuff, and I'm like, okay, like, what does this have to do with spongebob it feels like you have some (laughs) other (laughs) other issues you need to work out here um but yeah it's like you you get like a racist flurry but white writers don't get any of that like that's a whole like form of harassment that just doesn't exist for them um Mm -hmm. and is a part of like what makes the turnaround in games so quick like especially with people of color and stuff like there you see people here for a little while and then like they do something else um because that is a thing that like just messes with people's mentals a lot um and it's a it's pretty twisted like harassment in games is 
is horrible, especially for marginalized folks. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> something that's coming up with uh, with WWE right now, where Renee Young is leaving like WWE mm. right now. Like she's a commentator. She's a she's a woman. Uh, one of my favorite people who because she's Canadian, right? She used to right. be on TSN. On the yeah, yeah the she used score, to be yeah. on uh, what was it uh, Aftermath? And I yeah, really it was Aftermath with Art Raquel yeah. and Jimmy Yeah. Well, she was amazing on it, and I think that like WWE totally dropped the ball with her because she was she had the potential to be like uh, in my opinion she had the potential to be another jr and mm-hmm. i adored her and she was getting so much hate all the time and like you there's only so much you can put up with in terms of the, like uh, like the, especially the type of fans that are into wrestling <laughs> like or right. yeah you know like i'm winking at the camera right now but yeah uh, like it's like we can't be expected to put up with this so much, even if some of the stuff is good. Like, uh, like luckily for me, like of the hundred comments I get on things, like only two are probably really bad. But it's still like mm-hmm. those two really take a lot out of you, and it's yeah, really yeah. difficult. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, why do we have to deal with this and be expected to? Like, why can't people protect us from it? Right, and, and like it's like I said, I I think the thing is uh, one. I think. I think it comes from like it comes from a backlash where as as gamers just in general it's a marginalized group because everyone has been telling you your whole life the the hobby you love the the multi billion dollar hobby you love is nerdy right like that's what all everyone does so people who have gotten into games regardless of race and, and creed like or gender you know already feel like they are behind an eight ball but the the thing is hurt people hurt right mm-hmm. and as soon as you because in, in when i saw because i saw that all that spongebob stuff happened and i just remember being like yo this is a spongebob game and like i know half of you are in your like maybe mid-20s like mm-hmm. what are you doing right but yeah. what it comes from is and this has been like a just a, a what i feel like has been dealing with reviews forever it's Everyone is looking for validation, and honestly, you could have, you could have in your written review said, "Hey, this is probably perfect. If you like this, this is like for you." But as an objectively, blah 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 blah. Yeah. All they look is for that number and why you didn't agree with them, right? It's yeah. the it's the thing with the Anita Scar season um, stuff where she did tropes in women in, in gaming, which I always like. There's like there, there's things that I was like, okay, I would push back on this but i understand where you're coming from and i think there's an important conversation to have yes and as soon as people say that well why are all men blah and the thing is no one's saying that no one's telling you your opinion is bad yeah no one's saying that you guys are <laughs> like but me. It's just, <laughs> yeah it's just like it's just like don't engage don't engage like that because honestly if your idea is i'm going to bully somebody into liking what i like it will never happen <laughs> yeah. and it just it like, just makes you sound like an idiot that yeah that's <laughs> such like a silly mentality to have i don't know yeah that, that's one of the things i'm like i i envision a, a world in gaming where like people don't have to be scared of that looming giant group of like capital g gamers that are just like right. super racist and like angry and like just against anything that like has a woman in it and stuff, uh, yeah. Like I, I don't know. Hopefully we'll get we'll get away from those people. Yeah, yes. the sort of people who make like a three hour video on YouTube telling you why you're wrong. I <laughs> like, don't understand. <laughs> Every time I see that runtime, I'm like, 
like seven hours yeah. what can you be so like after a minute i'm like okay i'm tired i don't yeah. want to talk about this anymore <laughs> well, but like, my dude well like unrecorded the, our episodes go for what like maybe an hour and a half like an hour right. 50 like and we're discussing things we love like i i don't i don't know how we could go like two hours or like two or more hours discussing something we didn't like yeah. like i could probably do it about race but it would be in the context of how things could be better in terms of like treat letting people tell their own stories and stuff Mm -hmm. so it's just i just think that um it comes from the idea that uh white some white people are scared that if if people of color black people women get equality then we will be treating white people the way that they treated us and that's where it comes from like they're terrified about that idea of like that equality means justice I no, guess. It, yeah that equality means equality like we've treated you guys like shit so of course you're going to treat me and it's like we're not asking we're just asking to be treated the same yeah. we're not asking to say hey we, you're going to pay back everything you did just treat us the same yeah Ugh. but i do have a brief history of compton if you guys wanted to hear it yes, <laughs> yes. so following the watts riots in 1965 crime in compton rose sharply as more middle class residents fled by 1970 it had the highest crime rate in the state of california Compton's violent reputation reached the national spotlight in the late 1980s with the prominent rise of local local gangster rap groups Compton's Most Wanted and N.W.A., the latter of which released the album Straight Out of Compton in 1988. Uh, The city became notorious for great gang violence, particularly caused by the Bloods and the Crips. After years of decline in crime, Compton's murder rate skyrocketed in 2004 with racial conflicts between blacks and Latinos. Uh, 2005 was the city's deadliest year on record when the city's murder rate reached 72 killings with a total population of 90,000 residents. The spike was the highest since 1991 when the city had more than 100,000 residents. The rise in homicides frightened residents who had long lived with high levels of gang violence but had seen a downturn in violent crime in recent years. I really like Straight Outta Compton, by the way, so. But I'm like, I am the whitest native person who likes that song, so I'll leave it (laughs) to you guys. (laughs) yeah no so like and the the thing with i i always get i always get wary when they talk about like crime statistics with this because there's there's always a social economic you know oh yeah exactly it's uh, also one of the background with it yeah i was reading yeah uh yeah compton east la like a lot of that area is poor and a lot of these kind of statistics are very high because of you know police interaction in those in those um areas if you actually look um, I'm trying to think there was a really good documentary on it, but like um, the the policing in Compton and Watts. Actually, it was the O.J. Simpson's documentary. They were talking about it because they were talking about like the fact that O.J. would have never gotten a, a black juror to convict him mm-hmm. because like the policing in Watts were – you could – like it's really easy and, and like Wikipedia can really easily like quantify it as like, oh, this is Bloods and the Crips. Like, no, these were people who were living with police brutality and low economic, you know, living, like living in a big city, especially somewhere like Los Angeles, like the pay discrepancy is such a high, you know, high thing. Um, a lot of people, and this is where, this is where I always like get, I, I push back on the gang narr- narrative. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do this stuff because like when you have economic, you know, we have economic like uh, strife and not re- no re- non-reliability, like it, you go to gangs because that's the only way you can make sure you get fed. Yeah. Make sure you have clothing um, and you can and you have a place to, place to live like anywhere. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 
there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And then, like you said, you, the reason why you do see another spike in 2004, 2005, again, we have a, a big thing where a lot of redlining was starting to be pushed onto Latino communities. Like that mm-hmm. around that time frame is when we start getting a lot more of the conversations of who's legal, who's not. You know, you have your stuff with, you know, uh, ICE here in the United States. So, yeah, again, you have another downtrodden minority group who's, you know, now pitted against each other. So I, I, Watts is a bad neighborhood. Compton's a bad neighborhood because of things that are outside factors than the people in the neighborhood. And that's yeah. why I always, like, I like mm. that's the one thing, like, about this episode. I'm like, uh, like, you guys are like, oh, that neighborhood's bad. It's like, yeah, but, you know, what are you guys doing to help this? Like, yeah. You know, that's that's the thing where it's like that. But I, I will give them, we talk about it, I will give them that, like, uh, uh, sh- uh, uh, Vivian did not say I'm not going to. She's like, no, I'm going to go to Compton, yeah. and I'm going to she's the light there. So, um, it it does seem like they are taking a part of that, but that's the reason why you kind of see that discrepancy and why those are quote unquote bad neighborhoods. Yeah, like there's a lot of bad, uh, like quote unquote bad neighborhoods in Winnipeg too, but it's mostly because native people live there and poor people live there. Like it's always the yeah. uh, poor and people of color that makes a neighborhood bad. Like it was the same thing when I was in Sydney, Australia. I was like, oh, um, I would love to meet some native people who are from Australia. Like, so like, where, what, what's the neighborhood? And then they were like, oh, well, all the blacks live in Redfern, but you don't Jeez. go there. And I was like, uh. so like just the way they said blacks, like I know that yeah. um, the Aussie Aborigines use blacks as their term too, but the way white people talked about it, the way they, the ter- the way they put their voice on blacks was the mm. worst thing I ever heard. I'm like, man, this is like Canada 50 years ago. Gee, it's like, yeah. it was t- like if Canada is racist, Australia is really racist. So don't go there. Yeah. Well, go there, but like beware. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's, it's honestly a lot. Yeah, I don't know. Like, this this was weird to see how... I, I guess I haven't seen the show in a bit, but I didn't realize how rich uh, the family was. Yeah. Um, and they even, like, make jokes about it with, like, uh, Jeffrey being like, hey, uh, can I get a raise? Like, multiple <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was, it was, like, weird to see them go and kind of, like, make this a game uh chilling in this this uh neighborhood that is worse than theirs i guess yeah uh, like more especially for will like will like grew up in this type of neighborhood and the like yeah. the fact that he treats it like it's just like uh him keeping it real like really really bothered me because i'm like dude like well i guess he's acting like a 16 year old so yeah. like true yeah he wants to be hard like it's yeah, like that. What was that line from white and nerdy i want to roll with the gangsters <laughs> that's what he <laughs> reminded me of <laughs> Well, it's like I've seen people who have been in those scenarios who gravitate towards that. Like I had a cousin who lives who lives in a really bad part of Miami, um, and his dad had moved him with my mom, and we lived in like the suburban of all sub- suburbs, right? Uh, and he was very adamant, like I don't want to be here. Like this isn't where I'm from. So there is like a, an attitude of like, no, this isn't where I where I'm from. But I don't. I never seen it like look at the game. But also. Like, Jazz's apartment doesn't look too terrible. Yes. Like, I, the whole episode, like, oh, this is awful. I'm like, yo, that looks way better than my first apartment. Like, 
Well, it gets it gets it gets worse in later seasons. Like there's a scene right. in Jazz's apartment where there's a random barrel in later seasons where that's full of something, and Will sits next to it, and all of a sudden you hear uh, a toilet flush and something slams into that barrel, and he's like, <laughs> so it gets worse as the show goes on. What's in the barrel? Oh uh, yeah, it? some sort of mystery goo, I think. Oh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but so so we're back at the house in this episode, and to cover mm-hmm. their visit to Compton, Will and Carlton lie to the parents about a field trip for school and guilt trip Uncle Phil into signing off on the on the forms that he apparent that they apparently found that he tossed away because he, he was totally forgot about it. And I love this Carlton episode because we get to see Alfonso act his butt off, particularly in that scene where he mm. plays the downtrodden son forgotten by his busy dad. <laughs> like, it was just really yeah. sweet. Like just the, the just the guilt they put on Uncle Phil was so funny to me. <laughs> yeah, no, he he really like snapped into a different character. I thought he was going to be a bad actor because he was talking about how much he hated lying and like how much he didn't want to do it. Yeah. But when it was time to lie, like this guy was on it, like Gaslight <laughs> Central. <laughs> I don't know how he did it so well. Um, oh, it was so good. I just love that scene with, uh, like, how Vivian is just, uh, like, how did like, Philip, what did you, like, you, you, you need, really need to examine your priorities. Like, what the hell? Like, because it was that awesome little bit of things. Like, you know, when you try to get your parents to, um, like, to, you try to pitch your parents against each other. That was this whole scene. And I yeah. just love that. And it played out so well. They didn't even suspect a thing. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Until Will told them later what what like about the bet and all the all the like specifications of him being in Compton like they were like oh he's on a trip like he's like in San Francisco where is he like and it's like it was so weird to me though because like I've never been on field trips of that like type of um, that type of what's the word I'm looking for um, that type of scope like to go to like a like a, a field trip of that level would be something that. Well, I guess they go to academies, so that's probably why it's easier. But, like, I guess, like, if you lived in that sort of area, you'd go to, some, like, different types of uh, field trip type things. But, yeah, like, it was... Yeah. How many field trips do they go on? That's so weird to me. <laughs> I mean, so we used to do a lot of field trips here in Florida, but I I never done... Like, that would be, like, the equivalent of me, of my family being like, oh, yeah, you can go to Miami for 72 hours. Like... They were like, no, that's not happening. Yeah. I think the most I did a, oh man, I I will I will definitely tell this story on a bonus episode on the podcast one of these days. Um, I went on a debate trip my freshman year to Tallahassee. That's like a two hour drive from where I'm from. Um, and let's just say high schoolers are debaucherous, not me, but. Um, one of the teens got kicked out because of an orgy. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no. and I remember hearing about. Yeah, I remember hearing about that Tallahassee Lincoln. I will, I will never forget that story. That has been over. That's almost <laughs> coming on twenty years now. Uh, yeah, yeah, twenty years now. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's been a while, but that was that is a bonkers <laughs> debate trip. But uh, you've got to <laughs> so, bonus episode. We, donate the, yes. the five dollars to the Patreon. You're right. You get the bonus donate episode. right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I've that I've I've never. I'm not gonna lie. I would have fuck. I would have messed that up completely. Yeah. I would have messed it up completely. Have you I'm ever like, lied to your parents? Like. <laughs> 
Yes. In this context, <laughs> like I, I can't say I can't say like I have it. I have, but yeah. it was never like nothing this big. No. It was usually something like, oh hey, I'm going to get in trouble, so I'm just going to say I didn't do it. Uh, another smart, thing, smart, <laughs> smart move. <laughs> another thing, uh, like one time uh, when I I just graduated high school and I went to this party at underage drink. Kids, don't underage drink. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did it. And um, I snuck into my house. Now, what I forgot is that my garage door, because I was living in the garage at the time, um, has an alarm that goes throughout the house. Every door, oh. every entry door had an alarm going throughout the house. Yeah. So I opened it up, and my mom opens the garage door because they had been waiting for me. Uh, at the time, I did not have a key. Um, so they were waiting for me to come home, and I didn't go straight home. Uh, was and it like late? I said, Oh, it was three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Mind you, I am three sheets to the wind. Um, and my mom, she, you know, she's grilling me and I'm, you know, apologizing. She's like, she stops. She's like, wait, are you drunk? And me, because I am a virtue of truth. Yes. Uh, looked at her in the face and said, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, um, uh, she was not too happy. Um, uh, Did she believe you? She, oh, no, absolutely not. I, smelled, <laughs> I reeked of vodka. So she was like, she goes, she goes, uh, she's like, she's like, just go, go to bed. My dad's like, no, you need to take a shower. So I go to take a shower. Um, but before that, the kitchen is right there, and I have not eaten. Oh, I no. go to grab something from the kitchen. The drunk mom, chef. <laughs> my mom comes. Out of her room, it's going to go in the garage, uh, and I had to deal with a lot of phone calls because I lied. I've told a lot of really, and that's like that's like the worst. I've told like a little little just dumb lies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, same with me. Like I haven't done anything too crazy. Like uh, I was a total teetotaler. I stayed home all the time. So like the idea, uh, I like I had like uh, what was that Simpsons quote? Uh, how do I build that kind of cred? Ten years of uh, of honesty. <laughs> so that was me. <laughs> and so it's like yeah, it was weird to me because I could never imagine sneaking. Like I would maybe sneak out for if I lived in the city, but like since I lived mm. in like a small town, there wasn't really anything that I would want to do. So like I've never had this experience. <laughs> Yeah. I was always like, I just want to play some video games and stay home. So I, don't, <laughs> I don't really need to lie about doing too much outside. <laughs> I would lie about playing, like, Game Boy or Game Gear when I should have been sleeping or watching. Like, I think yes. the biggest lie was, like, I would, because uh, wa- Conan O'Brien was on at 1130 at night and it was on a school night, I would put my TV on the lowest volume, uh, put a a towel in the crack of the door so they couldn't see the glow of the TV, and, uh, like, basically shove a pillow in my mouth to keep from laughing too loud when I was watching. So that was, like, the extent of my badness. That sounds like my, when I would watch HBO, um, (laughs) and, like, if I knew, like, a a spicy movie would come on, (laughs) I don't know why I would do this, but every time, like, HBO has the opening, it's like, the following movie, and I know they're going to say rated R, yeah. but I would just go, the following movie is rated JAR. <laughs> like, I don't know if they, I thought that if someone came by, it would be like, 
Oh, he's watching a jar? Or he said the word you jar? You tried to cover <laughs> it up by <laughs> saying jar? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, Pongi, I don't know if you um, had the same experience, because I might be a little bit older than you, but do you remember, like, Showcase on, like, Canadian channels? Like, if if you went past a certain hour on Showcase, mm-hmm. like, they would show really, really, like, illicit things, like oh. nudity. Like, oh, my that, gosh. That, yeah, that type of, um, like, Canadian art film that was basically just made for uh, horny kids who are watching Showcase at 9 o'clock at night. But yeah, like it, was, it just reminds me of that where yeah. people are like, I'm watching like an art film, Dad, it's nothing too gross. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my I God. guess mine was when uh, this, this channel called Teletoon uh, had like Teletoon at night. Oh, uh, right, yes. And they would have just like they would show Sin City. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents would be like, oh, he's watching Teletoon, and then go upstairs. And then, like, at, like, 9 o'clock, it'd be, like, Teletoon at night. And then the colors would go from, like, yellow and, like, vibrant to, like, black and white and, like, serious now. Uh, you and- might see a boob. <laughs> <laughs> There might be a boob and maybe blood? I don't know. Find out at 1030. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I did. I didn't lie, but I was just like, Teletoon's on. I'm watching Teletoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so they, uh, Will and Carlton, make it to Jazz's place in Compton, where one of the guys hanging out is Tom Lister Jr., a.k.a. Tiny Lister, who you may remember from such roles as Zeus in No Holds Barred, the president in The Fifth Element, and the prisoner who did the right thing in The Dark Knight. Um, I haven't ever seen Friday, so I don't know him from that. So, so yeah, you should watch Friday. But he's Debo from Friday. That's like, that's a Tiny Lister. Like, every time I see Tiny Lister, I'm just like, you're a much better actor than I want you to be because people typecast you in these, like, roles, like, as big dumb dude. Yeah. Like, in, in Debo and Friday, he's just, like, a menace. But, like, he's really fun in this episode. He like, yeah, I, he he's is. really good. Like, he was really good in The Fifth Element, too. Like, I mm. like that was my first experience of him, and other than this episode. And, like, he is a really good actor. Like, especially in that, uh, in The Dark Knight. Because he, he plays the prisoner who throws the detonator out the boat window. That's who he plays. Right. And, like, he... He played it with a lot of soul. Like I really like that. Like he is. I I, I guess he he falls into the uh, what's the name of the guy who plays Machete in um, Spy Kids? Oh, Danny, Danny Trejo. Dre- yeah, he falls into the same camp as Danny Trejo, where they are typecast because of how they look, and they yeah. actually are like better actors than they let on. So Danny like, Trejo, you 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 remind me. I always want to tell people it's like if you don't think Danny Trejo can act, his voice acting as Enrique on King of the Hill. Oh, like it's it is the complete different character than any Danny Trejo thing, and I'm just like I want to put Danny Trejo in everything because like he can play like this very funny, pathetic like dad character, and you don't like if you look at him, he's like oh no, that's Machete, like that <laughs> that guy is like terrifying. He's like. Oh hey hey! What are, like yo! Like where is this coming from? Like well, oh, speaking of Danny it. Trejo, like he um has like a dog rescue. Like he is like adorable little grandpa man now, and mm-hmm. it's so cute because like he he is all about like um. I think he opened, like, a taco stand, too, like, a while back. He's just trying to do good for the community. And, like, uh, the fact that, like, he actually did grow up hard. And so uh, when he went to prison, his big goal when he got out was to make sure that kids like him didn't end up in prison again. And so he's been doing a lot of work to advocate for, uh, like, underprivileged kids getting more resources, all that sort of thing. 
And so um, I've always wanted him, if I do a movie about my life, to play my grandfather, even though he's Mexican and I'm not. But still, it's like, oh, it would be so cute to have him play my grandpa. Especially because he's shorter than you think he is. Yeah. Like, because uh, Tiny yes. Lister, despite his name, is actually a big, scary guy. So, right. but, but Danny uh, Trejo is like, what, 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five? like really, really short guy. Right. Well, I think some people can be short and wear their shortness, like, tall. Like, I, like I've, I've, I've met people who are like, yeah, basically short kings, yes. I've met people who <laughs> are like, like, you're taller than I thought. Or you are way much shorter than I thought. Like I went and shot um, that movie with Aziz, and I didn't realize like Aziz is like five two. Like so when I first see Aziz, like I'm five eleven. So like I'm always used to being like medium height. Like mm-hmm. I'm tall ish. Uh, but then we were we were doing the shoot, and I was like, I was like, I'm the tallest person by like four or five inches. Like, this is dope. Like let's. <laughs> I want to shoot all the movies here because I don't ever want to be the short for I don't want to ever be short on the set. Yeah. What, <laughs> what were you shooting? Uh, I shot a short film. So uh, it's called um, it's called Rafik Like Me. Uh, it's a short film uh, that I I wrote. Uh, I actually I will say the whole the whole I'll say that whole process for a, like an episode. Like we'll mm-hmm. we'll do a bonus episode where me and you will talk about like movies kind of, like going yeah. into it. Yeah. Uh, six point, like, uh, Tiny Lister is 6'5", and Danny Trejo is 5'6". So, oh, just, look, just they're just inverse. Yeah, yeah they're, no, they're inverse. <laughs> uh, but no, it's a, it was a really good film. It was a really, it's a short film just, like, about friendship and stuff like that. And, like, uh, it's just a really cool film. Mm. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was just really weird to go into a set and be like, oh, I'm taller than everybody. Everybody <laughs> reads a lot taller than they were. It's like, but I'm the tall one. It's yes. great. I love it. <laughs> Being well, the tallest uh, one in the room is the best feeling. I, oh, I yeah, love exactly having me. short friends. It's like, hey, guys, <laughs> need me to get that up there? Oh. I got you. <laughs> oh, I like being a tall girl for that reason too, because like everybody's always like trying to reach for like upper things, and I'm like, I got it. It's yes. like, <laughs> but I have uh, you. It's, okay. <laughs> it's like it's like thank you, queen. <laughs> but um, I like feeling like an Amazon. But um, mm. I didn't notice this the first few times I watched this episode. But when they get to Jazz's apartment, did you guys see that cute picture of Hillary that is hung on the on Jazz's wall? No, like, I did not yeah. until your notes. <laughs> yes. I didn't notice that until your notes. I'm going to go back and look at that now so it's by the door like because he has a like they they have a a lot of like porn like snm stuff that obviously looks like it's hanging up but there's like Mm. one really big like headshot picture of hillary it's really really cute (laughs) i like that it was adorable but um i also uh other actors in that scene with uh with the with the homies at uh jazz's apartment the gucci bag salesman uh (laughs) slick is played by miguel nunez jr who was dj and street fighter so I just had to bring what? that up. Yeah. yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. That's um, so funny. <laughs> so Miguel, uh, Miguel A. Nunez Jr., his dad is actually, like when you look at the black history cinema, uh, cinema his dad is actually the original Huggy Bear. Really? Uh, from Starskin Hutch. Yes. Miguel <laughs> Miguel Nunez, uh, you know, senior. Uh, so like he is kind of black film royalty. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's, it's always really cool. Like when I see him and stuff, because like I said, he's such a really good uh, comedic actor, and like it's just like John Witherspoon's son. Uh, I think he's I think he's also a junior, right? Like he's also a good uh, actor, like John Witherspoon. So uh, he was Pops in Friday. I uh, played. He did the voice of the granddad in um, 
uh, what you call it, in um, uh, Boondocks. Yeah, Boondocks. Yes, yeah. Uh, his son is also a really good actor as well. Which uh, one is that? Is that JD? Like, uh, uh, like John those... David and Alexander? Yeah, because JD yeah. does YouTube, right? Like, yeah, I've seen yeah. him in the Dashy XP videos. So yeah, it's just like. And um, I, I love because JD is friends with Dashi, and Dashi has done references to Fresh Prince a few times, so it always mm. makes me laugh whenever that happens. So, <laughs> oh, but yeah, like uh, so. Uh, after a makeover by the guys at Jazz's house, uh, C Note is hooking them up with some sound financial advice and planning to head to MacArthur Park to sell Korean Gucci bags. So I only know of MacArthur Park due to the song and its appearance in the movie Volcano. So I'm like, I don't know if you guys know anything about MacArthur Park. But I've yeah. never heard of it. No, I've never heard of MacArthur Park. I just, yeah. yeah, I just took it as like a bad area within a bad area. It seems like. <laughs> it's and like the worst area. Yeah. Quite scared to go there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I want to talk about the the hip hop flashcards. Yes. Like, okay, I get it. it. Like, it's corny that Carlton needs hip hop flashcards, but like, there are times where I'm like, I'm online and I see stuff because uh. I am I am now old. Yeah. Uh, I am one of the olds now, so I see something and people say it, and I'm like, uh, what is that? Okay, Urban Dictionary. Dictionary. Yeah, me mean? too. I do but that so, all the time. what's great now is the thing that a lot of white people are doing is they're going back and taking old black words so i can feel like i'm up i'm up to date like so when simp when people started saying simp out of nowhere i was like wait excuse me what like that's a word my dad said and it was old when (laughs) he was saying that in the 90s what do you mean this is now a thing everybody says so like i'm just ready for it just keep on Keep on taking those old black words so I can be like, oh, yeah, I know about that. I know this one already. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't need to give me context for that one. I got it. <laughs> it's like, I got you, boo. It's, yeah, it's really wild, especially like using Twitter semi-regularly even. Like you see a lot of the phrases that get picked up from black community and the, just the gay community as well and mm-hmm. meld into like a, its own Twitter speak. Uh, and I don't know, today, actually, I saw a couple of people just, like, including a whole list of, um, like, slang that's been used, uh, like, I guess repurposed from old black slang. Uh, right. And then being like, if you say any of this, you're stupid and, like, your opinion isn't valid. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, first of all, there's your white person saying this, stop talking. Like, this isn't any of your right. business. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, and then I'm just like, well, it's it's so weird to see this language get, like, taken from what it originally was used for and then like run to death on twitter like every day or something like people just saying like spamming these words because they're like it's funny like i've heard it online um Mm. but it's just like a lack of understanding what what the word even means right like did you did you you see people saying like child on on twitter and stuff like and I, when when people white people read it, it's Chile. It's like Chile. No. Like they be no. saying Chile. It's like you <laughs> not even understand what you're saying. Like you're just putting a word there because you've seen people say the word. You don't know what it means. Right. It's amazing. well, and that's the thing. It's that's the thing. It's like you could you could you could still speak and use like those like those words and spell it like how you're used to spelling regular words. Like I like yeah. the thing that freaks me out now is like seeing especially like white women do it like. They'll do the period, they'll do period and child and all this other stuff. I'm like, but ma'am, ma'am, you know you don't talk like this. <laughs> like, yes. you know, like in your everyday life, you don't talk like this. It doesn't make you cool. Like, you don't have to do this. Like, you that's really I, don't. You <laughs> I just want to go to these people just like, 
you never have to do this. You can just be <laughs> yourself. Like it, it's just like uh, it, it. It like I said, it always comes back. It's like when when people when white people come back, like oh, you know, the n word, blah 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 blah. I tell me all the times, like I I love saying the n word. I just like how it sounds. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, but I don't because I refuse to give white people the power to say it around me because like. <laughs> No, it is just like it, like the AV the A the AVE stuff. Like it comes in like your guys are trying to. It's the thing where you can like visit like black culture and then go away when it can. Because yeah. like what's going to happen is you're going to turn around. And it's like oh these these words were oh I, I use those words when I was a kid and I was younger and blah blah blah. It's like well that's bruh. one of the things <laughs> in this episode too. Like because like Will and Carlton can go back to Bel Air. Right. That's the part I like. I don't know why the the guys that at Jazz's place aren't a little bit more annoyed about this context because it's like um, they're using the they're using the trip to Compton as like a field trip basically, and it it would insult me like because it's like yeah you're black but like you know nothing about this neighborhood like we live here. There's a class difference. They're using it like a zoo. Like Will is is like hey you you won't believe what goes on over here, and Carlton's Mm -hmm. like I could do it like. It's it is it is kind of gross like that that kind of setup, um, uh, but I do uh, one of my favorite scenes. I I really love um, the uh, how many uh, dream sequences they have in the season because it's one of my favorite things. So we see Carlton returning to the house to C note, which results in Will getting choked by Uncle Phil. The cops trying to arrest Carlton and Carlton whipping out his nunchucks and, and screaming that they won't <laughs> take him alive. Yes. <laughs> I was like, wow, this show is different than I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Then Will woke up. Well, and I love Carlton is like, there's a scene where he's stealing stuff off of the piano and Jeffrey tries to stop him and Carlton like just punches him in the gut. It was my favorite scene. Yes, yes. And I was like, oh my God. It was such a, it was like a tactile hit. It wasn't like a a glance. It was just, boom, like, yo, what? (laughs) But yes, it's a nightmare. And Will wakes up screaming in Jazz's house. Yeah. So back at the house, the Bankses are heading to church, and we see a little glimpse of into Jeffrey's sordid personal life when he comes in wearing all leather and singing uh, Mon- Madonna's "Justify My Love." <laughs> so I think he was coming back from an orgy or some sort of S and M club. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, look, you know, he, the weekends are his time, and I'm sorry, like that's what he wants to be, like. One, I think it would take a lot to dress up and down in that outfit. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. That's just a lot. Um, And, you know, if that's what he wants to do, it's his off time. Right? Yeah, they were judging him on his own time (laughs) off, like after doing so much for them. Yeah, exactly. No raises. Like, geez. Yeah. I I hate that that's like a common joke in it, like him not getting paid properly. (laughs) Yeah. Like paying the money. Like, Oh, man. It's like, pay him more, damn it. But uh, Will returns and tells Aunt Viv and Uncle Phil what has happened. And Phil sends Will off to get Carlton because Uncle Phil does not want to keep bailing out uh, Will, which I which I totally admire. Like, he, mm. it, like he has to solve his own problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought it was sweet that Carlton would return to Bel Air when he found out Jeffrey was injured. Like, I know it's a joke, yeah. but, like, it was still really sweet that Carlton was like, are you being serious? Okay, we're going. And I just love that. Like, it was really yeah. sweet. Because they do see him as family, even if they, they tease him a lot, too. Yeah. So he's the family and he like, cooks and cleans and sucks up after everybody. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, what's so, weird is, like, oh yeah, and, and, like when we were watching, we were watch, when I was watching this, I was like, 
Yeah, they don't have cell phones. Like, it's just, yeah. it's so wild to me now thinking, like, I have now lived long enough where I've had cell phones longer than I haven't. And, like, this would have happened. The first thing you would have done was, like, why didn't he get a text? But, like, there was no text. I don't think there was, like, beepers you could use at the time. Yeah, like, pages. like this is a, Yeah, that's, stuff. like, a, this is a wild world. Like, it's something I guess happens, like, oh, shit, I, I guess this is just going to happen. Yeah, yeah. exactly. To, I, uh, oh, oh, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Oh, oh no, you go ahead. Oh, okay. I was watching this movie, Funny Games, um, oh, like this like yeah. thriller, intense thriller, and one of the characters cut the phone wire, and I was like, "Damn, that was a big deal! Like you guys just had one <laughs> phone like sitting there. Like if someone broke in, like that's terrifying. Like now, like if they're filming that today, it'd be totally different, right? Like they can't that element of just like snip. Like there's no communication coming into this house." Uh, is is terrifying. I don't know. Oh yeah. And how long of a ride would it be from Bel Air to Compton? Like probably a bit of a trip. Like because we assume he goes in his car or something. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, the best scene of the show is Vivian coming to Jazz's house and telling everyone that they aren't going to MacArthur Park, which yes. I assume by Tiny's reaction they don't end up doing anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. And, uh, she definitely comes in motherhead, like mother of the church, like yo. Y'all, what is this house? Look at this house. Clean it up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're not going down there. And I have definitely been on this. It's like the thing when your aunt comes in the room yes. and you guys are going to do something bad. She's like, no, you're not. And y'all got to clean up this room because it's a mess. And you're like, like wait. I, I, and then she's like, nope. <laughs> not happening. Well, uh, they made her miss church. She's pissed. Yeah. Like, you know, like, she's like, she had to come there st- like in her church clothes. She took off her earrings. Like, she's oh angry. Gosh. but uh like and then there's this really really uncomfortable bit where will's friends call him out for acting pale and being a sellout for telling on carlton and Mm -hmm. so it was like really like really hit me because like i have heard that from friends like the like because i don't think a lot of white people would get why being why why will's friends call saying he was acting pale is a big insult like because it's the same Mm. thing that happens on my res too where people will insult you for acting white Mm. and so like it's such a big thing and so i was really really surprised by that because i was i was getting uncomfortable for will too and i'm like wow he sounded genuinely mad like upset when they were like questioning his blackness and then carlton like tags on at the end like that's how you made me feel Um, yeah and i feel like that i'm glad that they acknowledged that because that is like the show also thinks it's a joke. Like, whenever Will makes those jokes, like, laugh tracks play for a long amount of time. Like, they think right. that, that that's funny. And it was nice to see the show be like, well, as like we'll have our little laughs, but, like, this is not, like, we shouldn't be fighting each other over uh, blackness. Like, Yeah. Really I think silly. there's a, so there's an episode that comes in, I want to say it's in two more seasons, uh, that kind of really deals with it, where you kind of have, like, a, a lot more of a malicious look at it. And it's not Will. It's somebody else calling Carlton out on, like, well, you're not really a brother thing. And it's always, like I said, it's always foolishness because the people in power, they don't care what part you're from, right? They just see that. Like, there are, there, there are things, like, as black people, we're able to joke with each other about when it comes to, like, like our, our, I was going to say our skin race, but that's the bad way of saying that. But, like, yeah. the hue of our skin, right? Like, when someone, like, someone says, like, oh, you acted really light-skinned right now. Like, there's, a, there's, a, <laughs> yeah. there's, like, a personality to it. Like, but we know, like, we're not saying, like, oh, you're acting white. You know, we're saying, like, yeah. oh, you're acting like a – how most white, how most light-skinned people may act or how most dark-skinned people may act. Like, yeah. we do that to ourselves. But, you know, 
our skin folk is our kin folk, right? Like that's the yeah. thing where we have to, where we we have a set priority. But then when you use something like this, it takes it too far because what you're doing is you're excluding somebody from your race when you shouldn't. And yeah. it's something well, that's very like, uh, it shouldn't be done. Good thing, yeah. Because I mm. wish I had some like they get uh and they get uh, a stern talking to from the parents, and I really wish I had a person like Uncle Phil when I was a kid who could talk to me the way he talks to Carlton. Like mm-hmm. it was always difficult for me feeling like I wasn't native native enough for my res. So having somebody tell me that I am native and that's who I am and no one can change that would have been yeah. something that would have been really powerful for me to have, especially mm. in the like because he doesn't say it in an insulting way to Carlton or Will, but it's just like it's such a like a reaffirming thing. And I wish more people would would say that to kids when they're dealing with these types of issues. Yeah. Especially, what, what am I, yeah, oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. So, sorry. Especially him not bailing uh, Will out because Will is always like getting into mishaps, like crazy situations each episode. Well, especially when Vivian told him, like, you're always sorry. Like, wh- when are you going to grow up? And then he's like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, like, he's still being a do- do- goofy kid. But, like, yeah. one yeah. of the best lines in this episode, though, is uh, when Carlton criticizes Will for not living up to some rule of blackness that he carries around. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, like, right. the best bit of writing in this episode. So Yeah, I thought, I, and I think, like, Will kind of does it, like, hand wave. Like, he hand waves it off. Like, he's, like... Like, oh, hey, you judged me. But I thought Carlson brought up like, a really good point. It's like, you're just upset because you don't think I am this portrayal of blackness. And again, like like what you said earlier about when, you know, we're in a space, like in the gaming space, like it is something that I think, you know, I, I, I often think, and I shouldn't have to, but it's like, am I portraying something that I'm not? Yeah. Um, especially because we're in a space full of white people. Mm-hmm. And I never want like, again, I'm I speak how I speak because I'm I'm a kid that's from, uh, you know I am a kid that's from you know that's that was born in Germany that lived in the Netherlands then came to the South, but my my family roots my dad is from Mobile Alabama my mom is from Miami Florida like I am yeah. a country I'm a country boy, um, and there are things that I say but I I I know how to to like maneuver myself around and not say them you know, as publicly or speak as publicly like as, as I would normally want to. But I, I, I always question myself, like, am I doing this? Is this fair for me? Am I representing myself right? Am I representing black people right? Because I wouldn't want somebody who is a black kid who was born in Mobile, Alabama, and who sounds like my little brother sounds to be ostracized yeah. in a space that we're in because he doesn't sound like how every other white person sounds. So that's something that I do think about. But at the end of the day, like he says, like – I. I can't turn it off. Like, if I'm on camera, I'm a black person. If I'm on a right? podcast, I'm a black person. So, like, it doesn't matter what I that, feel about it. I am a black person. I just have to do what I can do to uh, continue pushing forward. That's the best way to think about it, too. Like, whenever I'm writing pieces, like, I throw in all the slang that I use because I just, like, write how I talk. And, right. I, like, editors can, like, comb out, like, how, like my voice to kind of, like, fit their site's tone more. But, like, I will not s- stop writing the way I speak. Uh, and a lot of the times people are like, we want to keep this in, but like we can't really. Or like sometimes people are like, we have to cut this, but I, I'm glad you like put this in. But it is like I would rather uh, just fully be myself than try to fit inside a box of like what white people might think blackness is or uh-huh. like trying to uh, trying to represent every single black person because th- that's not what I'm trying to do. 
See, I think your way of going about it is really smart too. Like thinking of like people, black kids that like maybe don't feel uh, included in, in spaces like games and entertainment and stuff, and there's a criticism around that and like t- conversations around that. Uh, like making sure that they can just be like, hey, I can do something like that. Because you really like growing up reading uh, games and stuff. I don't, I don't know. I didn't see any black people until like pretty far into me like staying up to date with games right uh, and it was it's it's people yeah like like Gita and Austin Walker I saw first and I was like oh my gosh there's black people in this industry uh and, and you find out like more of those and there's a, there's a few but it's like yeah you, you you as like one of the few visible black people in this sphere like we gotta we gotta make sure it's a space where other black people can just feel comfortable and I don't know like it, I, I would willingly like sacrifice a bunch of my white audience and (laughs) (laughs) doing that because like i don't know i i made a tweet a a while ago two test tweets i i made a tweet of emperor palpatine and he's standing like this uh, Mm. and i said how niggas stand and pose for instagram or whatever Uh, (laughs) and that got like 30 likes or whatever and then i was like okay since there's non-black people here like if you replace niggas with dudes, uh, it gets way more traction because people yeah. are just like, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I did the same thing, and then I, I use it as like a, a, a like a, a control, and then like another one. I was like, okay, like <laughs> what is? Let's do the science behind these this thing. And I was just like, yeah, it feels weird that like tweets with the word nigga in them pre- perform less uh, well than other tweets. But it's like right. you know what? I'll I'll put that word in because like I want my people to feel seen and like I want to speak how I want to speak. Like I don't care about the numbers if like. I'm going to say that, but it is just weird to notice that and, like, see how being yourself, like, automatically lowers your numbers a bit. Like, yeah, it, exactly. it's weird as a like, black person. It's, well, and it, it makes you feel that, like, your audience is small. Like, like it, 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 again, is that idea of white people being the default. That's the yeah, thing. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, we've come to the end of the episode. Yeah. Like, yes. it was a really good one. So, yeah, like. <laughs> yes, I'm so is... sorry that we kept fucking, we kept using it longer than. Yeah, sorry. We oh, should. Like, I was just no. like, it was like, I was like, oh, man, no, I know you had a hard out. So, I was, I'm, uh, but it's. It's been really great. I, I'm yeah. really glad to have you on uh, on the show. Honestly, please come back. Yeah, like check absolutely. Out. Of course, whenever you guys need another person, I'm I'm here. Like I will watch every episode of Fresh Prince. Watch so season good. two and whichever episodes you want to come on, we will get you on. Absolutely, I actually will. I was watching this and I'm like, the episodes are so short and sweet and full of so much like just family sitcom goodness. And I don't know. It, remi- it reminded me of like how I would watch shows like this and The Proud Family and stuff when I was mm-hmm. growing up. And I was like, this, these were the shows that made me feel seen. And like representation is its whole big conversation that you can mm-hmm. get into. But like th- seeing like uh, shows like this, like really made my childhood, made me excited about just sitcoms and stuff. Cause I don't know, like it, you, you miss out on these things. Like sitcom as a whole are such like a white environment and, and shit like this is, is what makes it so fun for me. Like, I don't know. Oh great yeah, show. it's so great. Like it's one of my favorite things. Like again, like representation is important to everybody cuz like I am not black, but this show was so important to me because every the Bankses lived the way I wanted to and like they yeah, were still dealing right. with the same issues that I did as a native person and so it's like it's such a good thing cuz it represent representation for all, damn it. <laughs> it is. Well, it it is. Yeah, and it's one of the reasons why like I I don't know if I do this show without Sonia. Right. Um. And, 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 I, and I mean that I mean that honestly, like it would have I could have easily done this show with like two white people with Antista or something. Yeah. yeah and then just like, oh, here's the show. 
But it, to me, it meant very important to have a person of color to be my co-host, especially be especially a person of color who's a woman. Um, yeah. I think that's very important. I think it's very important for me to get to reach out and get guests who are people of color. Like, does that mean that we're gonna not have white people? No, of course we are. Like yeah. you guys have heard the show. Like we're gonna have white people on because the show touched a lot of people. But I do think it is important. Again, as we talk about representation, as this kind of became the podcast about representation, like. To let you know, like, there are ways of looking at media. There are ways to look at criticism and see them through the lens that represent you. And I, and I hope someone who was listening to the show who may have thought, like, maybe I can't do a podcast. Listen, where you hear three people of color on a podcast. Get like, Yeah, that. you can. Yes. Do your podcast. Make a podcast. Please. Do something. And I can't wait for you to – I can't wait for you to make something where I'd be like, wow, this person is so talented. I can't believe they, like, they're doing something so great. Um, yeah. And I can't wait for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But speaking so of talented people, uh, Funky, can you tell people where they can follow you and they can find all the great stuff that you do? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at FunkyFly and on Twitch at FunkyFly. Um, yeah, I be I post my articles and stuff. I do some monthly articles for Pace Games, uh, mm. and I freelance a bunch of places. And I might be starting a cool little YouTube show soon, so check out, be on the lookout for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. I, this is like a, a really fun time on the Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like I said, you are you are more than welcome. I know, like I said, uh, I know Sonia just said it, and I will say it as well. Whenever you want to come back, you are more than happy to come oh, back. We awesome. would love to have you on. <laughs> Thank you. Really Thank you. All right. Uh, Sonia, do you have anything that you would like to promote or plug? Just Twitter, uh, honey underscore child. We're dis- uh, discussing, like, uh, issues related to transit right now and, like, still trying to get Cold Cabana's number. Hey, hook me up, people. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I am at Trev- I'm at Travis L. Foster on Twitter. Um as you guys, well, you guys can't see. Uh, you guys can hear, though. I have, like, a new setup now. Like, I have yes. a, a camera stand and a microphone stand. Um, so I have been teasing on these episodes. I probably will have finally gone live. This work has been really busy. Uh, my new morning show, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it weekly. I'm probably not doing it weekly. That might It might not be a daily thing. Uh, but the T.L. Foster sh- morning show in the mornings, uh, hey. which is a great name, and I don't care what no one says. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to do a morning show. I want to do, like, you know, two to three hours where I, I stream on Twitch. So twitch.com, twitch.tv slash Turbo Bison, uh, where I stream on Switch. And we kind of just hang out. I'm not sure we're going to play video games. I'm not sure we're just going to hang and listen to music. We might, you know, might have Funky on. We will listen to that John Cena album. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> that would be, be kind of cool. But I, I want to do some stuff. I want to do some really cool stuff. Uh, we have a lot of stuff in the works. And, yeah. Turbo uh, Bison? Well, Turbo Bison. Follow yes. just now. Oh, you recommend <laughs> Dan Emmerich. I just, I was booked right here. This oh, oh, Dan Emmerich. Oh. Dan Emmerich is, okay, look, I know we've been going on. I just want to say this real quick. I want to say this on a podcast because I, Dan Emmerich is one of my favorite people of all time. And yes, what's same. weird, what's weird is I've been reading Dan Emmerich since I was literally 10 years old. I got a Game Pro and that's when I first started reading Dan Emmerich. When I first got, <laughs> when I first got into this whole thing. One of the first people I reached out to was Dan. Just like, I'm like, oh, well, you know, hey, I'll, he's like, hey, Dan, I'm going to start this podcast and I'm going to, and he came out and, dude, he just went for like an hour and a half and he was like, oh, hey, I have to go. I have to go do this activation thing, but 
I'm going to just talk, and he's been great. Um, wow. I'm so glad to call him a friend. Um, and awesome. yeah, I, I love Dan Emmerich to death, and he's one of my favorite people in the world. So uh, uh, I, I just had to say that. I love Dan. <laughs> I want to just put that out there. Uh, but uh, for Funk A4, uh, Sonia, I am T.L. Foster. This has been Live from the Pool House. Don't get thrown out like jazz. <laughs> Later, y'all. <laughs>